I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Reynard Kington, President of Grinnell College in Iowa. Dr. Kington is the former director of the Office of Behavioral and Social Science Research at the National Institutes of Health, and he's co-authored a perspective article on a new section of the MCAT, the Medical College Admission Test, focused on behavioral and social sciences. Dr. Kington, how did you as a physician originally become involved in the social sciences? Well, I um, was trained in a program at the University of Michigan that combined undergraduate and medical school into six years. Um, But my first two summers of the program, I spent as an intern on Capitol Hill in Washington, one's working for a congressman and one for a senator. And uh, that experience really began to my thinking about how social factors might influence health. Um, as When I finished my residency, I was fortunate to uh, have been selected for a Robert Johnson Clinical Fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania. This is a great program that helped train physicians in areas that were not traditionally part of academic medicine. I originally went in actually with the plans to earn an MBA at the Warden School and to be focused on finance, of financing of research, um, but uh, over the course of my last year of residencies, uh, the new DRG program for funding and reimbursement of Medicare uh, services in hospitals went into effect, and I saw how this program, for better and for worse, affected clinical care, particularly for disadvantaged populations, and I sort of changed direction. Um, the Warden School was beginning a new program, a PhD program in health policy and economics, and I loved my economics courses, and, and I decided that if I was going to combine a career in medicine and social sciences, I wanted you know, first-rate training, and I entered into that program and uh, went on from there. Later, I, I did an extra y- a year of clinical training in geriatrics because I, I had done my residency in internal medicine, and I wanted a field that, that clearly linked social factors in health, and geriatrics was one of those fields. Um, there was a, already a fair amount of research in geriatrics related to many uh, dimensions of health that are influenced by social factors, end-of-life decisions, utilization of health care, influence of families as caregivers. So it was a good click uh, for me and, and as a clinical area that would allow me to relatively easily connect medicine and social sciences. So the NIH created the Office of Behavioral and Social Science Research in 1995. What was the impetus behind that move? Well, NIH had actually funded behavioral and even social science research for many years. One of some of the early research on type A personalities and cardiovascular disease, funded by the Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, for example. But there was a, cons- a growing consensus that the behavioral and social sciences weren't fully embraced across all of the parts of the agency. And um, obviously this was only relevant because of the sense that failure to integrate those disciplines into the research agenda would really limit the ability of the agency to meet its mission of advancing science to improve health. Um, So the office was created with a relatively modest budget with a, a goal of promoting behavioral and social sciences and helping to coordinate investments in behavioral and social sciences across the agency. Um, and the, the program grew into, I think, a very effective office. The first director was Dr. Norman Anderson, who came from Duke. Um, I was the second director, and we're now, I think, on the fourth director of the office. Um, and it continues to play an important role. Now, in today's world, I think there's much more um, acceptance of behavioral and social sciences into the 
portfolio of investments of, of the institutes and centers. But that's been a, a evolution over time, and the office has played an important role both in in highlighting the the importance of these disciplines um, um, as as part of the core mission of that uh, agency, um, but also in helping to integrate across the many institutes and centers at the agency um, to try to get synergism in investments across those different parts of the agency. Many physicians and biomedical scientists tend to see the social sciences as soft sciences. How would you defend them against those characterizations? Well, first of all, let's start with the obvious. Um, No one comes to the study of biochemistry with preconceived notions about the role of chemicals in biologic systems. Everyone comes to behavioral and social sciences with ideas about human behavior as individuals or as groups. You know, of necessity, every human being sort of develops sort of notions about human behavior just going through life. And I think that often leads to the sense that we all actually understand behavior, um, when in fact um, there is a, a growing and a huge body of literature um, based on the application of scientific principles to understanding um, behavior and, and social interactions. Um, so I think that's part of the problem, that, that scientists sort of, like most people, think they sort of understand intuitively um, behavior, um, and, and that's not the case. Um, there's also this, the, the strong um, realization, the recognition that human behavior is incredibly complex. Um, you know, the, the saying sort of, this isn't rocket science, well, getting a rocket launched into orbit around the Earth is child's play compared to understanding even the most simple of human behaviors. I mean, just think of the complexity of the interaction between you and me right now. Um, all the things that go into this conversation, this exchange of ideas, um, from the words we're selecting to the influences of both of our training and our lives, um, you can't see it, but I'm using my hands right now. <laughs> in trying to communicate with you, even though you can't even see me. Uh, but it's sort of part of how I speak. So, so it's, it's hard, it's complicated, and that's another reason. And I will be the first to admit that we're a long way from having a, a definitive understanding of the causal pathways that influence behavior and social interaction. Um, so that's another part of it. It's the recognition that, that we're just in the early stages, I still believe, of, uh, of understanding all the factors that influence behavior and social interactions. Another issue is that behavioral social sciences sort of cover a huge range of disciplines, from psychology to anthropology to economics to sociology, uh, cognition. I mean, sort of go through this array, a huge range of disciplines that are fall under this sort of broad category of behavioral and social sciences. And so I think that's another reason why it's often hard for uh, um, the scientific community to get their heads around this notion of what is behavioral and social science. Um, but, but I think more and more um, it's, it's understood by a larger percentage of the leaders and the practitioners in science. And the reality is that we have a huge body of rigorous science um, that's exploring multiple dimensions of behavioral and social sciences, specifically in the area of health. Given that range of disciplines in the social sciences, which do you see as key for medical practice? Which ones should be included in a pre-medical curriculum? Well, I think uh, clearly the most important probably is psychology, Um, understanding human behavior, and that's one approach to understanding human behavior. Um, Almost all 
interactions with uh, healthcare systems, almost all sort of health problems have some dimension of, of a behavioral component. And, and I think that's probably the dis- discipline that's most important. But, but a close second is uh, the social sciences and um, that help us understand how individual behavior in particular is influenced by social factors and social pathways and how the social constructs in all sorts of ways influence individual behavior. So if I were to choose the areas that I think are most important in terms of just day-to-day understanding of what it means to be a good physician and um, day-to-day understanding of ways to help our patients, those are the areas that are probably most important. Um, But that covers in itself a pretty large uh, uh, area of science. In your article, you outline the case of a patient with complicated social and behavioral issues that would clearly need to be addressed to improve the patient's health. How frequently does that kind of issue arise, and how well do U.S. physicians address that issue? Um, You know, if you look at any of the major causes of morbidity and mortality in this country, I think that you would find without much effort, um, uh, an array of different ways that the behavioral and social sciences sort of help uh, help inform how we understand and ultimately treat and prevent those conditions. So uh, the example of a, a type 2 diabetic, um, um, a, any physician who's treated uh, a diabetic uh, would be able to pretty clearly articulate all the ways that in particular behavior um, can influence the ability of a physician or a healthcare system uh, to treat um, um, that condition and to prevent bad outcomes. Everything from um, how to help patients develop healthy habits like exercise and diet that help control the illness to factors like community level uh, organizational factors that might influence the ability of a patient, for example, to to eat healthy food um, based on what resources are available in that person's community. Um, So I don't think it takes much to sort of get very good examples of very concrete ways in which these disciplines can help us uh, be better physicians. Uh, how, how good a job are we doing right now? I think I, I don't think there will be many people who have any problem with the statement that we're a long way from um, having a healthcare system um, that sort of optimizes our ability, particularly ability of, of physicians and particularly primary care physicians, to uh, uh, optimize patient health. Um, we're a long way from doing that for lots of reasons, and one of the reasons is the real challenge of educating and training physicians in how best to use these disciplines um, to understand sort of the causal pathways and, and the problems that our patients face, but also to help develop interventions and treatment approaches and prevention approaches um, that integrate these disciplines into our, our decisions in, in developing treatment plans and prevention plans. Is this the work of physicians, or uh, might it be shared with, for example, social workers, other providers uh, in in a more team-based approach? I don't think, I absolutely feel that um, a team-based approach is probably best, um, but that doesn't mean that physicians don't have to think about or understand these these uh, the role of these disciplines in helping us uh, optimize the health of our patients. Um, yes, we we might, um, for example, we we order 
uh, physicians order x-rays all the time. But no one would dare suggest that uh, physicians don't need to know at a, a, a have a basic understanding of how those um, um, tools are used, how they work, why they work the way they do, and, and their value. So in order to use other resources well, we, we still have to have an understanding of the role of these other pathways that are an integral part of sort of the pathways creating illness and poor health. Um, and, but in order to use those resources wisely, we need to have an understanding. We can't just sort of sort of refer all social problems to the social worker um, any more than uh, that we would sort of defer all decisions about the use of diagnostic tools um, used by radiologists to radiologists. Um, the, the, the physician has to work with an, an array of different types of professionals and resources to optimize the health of their patients. And, and they, and in order to do that wisely, um, they need to have, physicians need to have a good basic understanding of these other, these influences, behavioral and social influences on health. Um, and, and, and I've said other, but I've ca caught myself because th that suggests there's somehow uh, outside of the mainstream, and they aren't. They're at the, the core of, of the causal pathways for some of the most important public health problems facing our nation. Given the time pressure that, that physicians are facing, the increasing time pressure that physicians are facing, do you see the, the possibility that, that they will actually be able to accomplish that, that they will be able to tackle issues like psychosocial stress, social support, health literacy? Um, I certainly understand the time pressures, but I also understand that there are lots of ways that the the insights and the knowledge that that comes from behavioral and social sciences can be used very efficiently um, um, by uh, physicians to help them do a job in, in an effective way, in an efficient way. Um, for example, sort of short screening tools for behavioral problems that, that can be used very uh, easily by primary care physicians to help identify uh, problems that might have a basis in behavior. So, for example, um, alcohol abuse, uh, short tools for assessing risk of alcohol abuse that don't take a great deal of time. Um, and when appropriately used by a physician who understands the complexity of the problem and can help sort of mobilize resources when the, the problem is identified, um, um, it's, it's in a very effective way, uh, effective use of physician time. Um, so, so, yes, these problems are difficult to, to manage for anyone, whether a physician or a social worker or a psychologist or, or anyone. Um, um, but I believe that we can use the knowledge that we've obtained from the behavioral and social sciences to develop effective tools that allow physicians to actually be more efficient um, in, in providing care. Um, because not addressing many of these problems actually um, hurts our ability to, to address important problems in an effective way. Um, so I think it's even more time-consuming not to address uh, the problems that are, 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 are deeply rooted in behavior and social uh, factors. In addition to helping individual patients, you say that social sciences are important in clarifying macro-level health issues, such as racial and ethnic disparities in health outcomes. How could individual physicians apply that kind of understanding to their own medical practice? Well, first of all, I think physicians can um, use that type of understanding to to 
help shape their treatment approaches. Um, so, for example, um, we know that uh, there are big uh, differences by socioeconomic status in um, the neighborhoods in which people live. Um, everything from crime rates to access to fresh fruits and vegetables to um, transportation, you go down the list. Well, if, let's say we have a patient not unlike the, the example that we discussed uh, um, uh, of an elderly uh, woman who, who has uh, type 2 diabetes and um, I as a physician want the patient, my patient to, to, to exercise. So I recommend um, that uh, she walk, begin a modest program of walking. Um, regularly for exercise. Well, if I don't understand the context in which that person is living, then, then that recommendation could be meaningless. So, for example, if I don't understand that that person is living in a community with a high crime rate, um, um, then I might not understand that, that she may be making a trade-off between increasing the risk of getting assaulted or robbed uh, uh, versus decreasing the risk of, of a complication from diabetes and may choose to focus on avoiding getting robbed. Um, so, I mean, that's a very concrete example where understanding the way that social interaction and social uh, structures influence uh, the patient, the behavior of individual patients can influence how the, the physician um, helps the patient maximize his or her health. So in that case, um, the, the the physician might be more inclined to say, okay, you know what, I realize that you may not be able to go out and walk for uh, five blocks in your neighborhood in the same way that I can in my neighborhood, but let's think about other alternatives. So what about um, exercises that can be done in your apartment? What about walking around your apartment 20 times a day? Um, so, so while we're trying to make everyone make, make a better world where everyone lives in a safe community, let's think about how we might deal with the short term of getting a, a way for this patient to be, to have com be comfortable exercising in some way, um, um, given the constraints of the world where she lives. Are pre-med students at Grinnell required to take courses in behavioral and social sciences? Uh, no, they're not required to take courses in behavioral and social sciences, although, um, um, you know, the overall statistics are about, I think, 70% of pre-med students take an introductory psychology or sociology course, and, and the sense is here that, that we're probably like that, if not higher. Um, so many of our students already um, take uh, uh, courses in um, behavioral and social sciences. Um, we're a liberal arts college where we very much encourage our, our students to, to really take a broad array of courses across disciplines. And, and many of our pre-med uh, students already are taking courses that would provide a, a good, solid framework um, for preparing for the MCATs and preparing for a career as a, as a physician. So, so my, I, my sense is, and, and my colleagues here share this sense, um, this will not result in big changes in the courses that are taken um, by our students. Also, an important note is that I think many, increasingly, the students who are interested in going into medicine are, understand the conversation about the role of social and behavioral factors in, in, in uh, behavioral differences, excuse me, in health differences across populations. So I, our students are, are actually pretty sensitive to this issue. So my guess is that it, wouldn't, it won't result in big changes in the courses that they take. Thank you, Dr. Kington.